Becoming the Channel explores the transformational power of wealth consciousness and offers a pathway to spiritual growth, business development, and leadership, especially for wayshowers, thought leaders, and messengers. I'm Dr. Robin McKay, your host. I'm an award-winning psychologist and author, advisor to CEOs, leaders, and spiritual entrepreneurs. And I've been a clear intuitive channel since I was a little kid. Through conversations with leading experts, thought leaders, and everyday people who have found success in their respective endeavors, Becoming the Channel offers us a platform where we can explore what it takes to connect with, receive, hold, and transmit wealth consciousness for prosperity on all levels. This is the first step in a journey of many, and I am so excited to share it all with you. Be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts to stay up to date on new episodes and special content. And now, on with the show. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Doing a solo episode today. I've had a lot on my mind recently. And even though I've had so many amazing guests, I just want to spend some time, just you and me today, talking about some things that have been on my mind. One of the things that I've had on my mind recently is that, you know, I went to the seven and eight figure pack leader retreat back in May. Jennifer Longmore ran that. And I've had a couple of my colleagues on the podcast with me where we've talked about the retreat and what's come out of that. And then in an upcoming episode, I'm actually going to have Jennifer Longmore herself on the podcast talking about channeling and we talk about the retreat and some other things. But for today, for right now, I want to spend some time sharing with you what's been on my mind since the retreat in May. And yeah, so that's what we're going to do today. The um, the guidance that I've received has been pretty clear on this, so I want to just dive in and see where this goes for today. So one of the things that stood out for me that happened in the retreat was there was a moment when Jennifer had tuned in to the energies that were kind of unfolding the night that we were in the what I can only call a spiritual battle, an energetic battle. And she, for some reason, the term quantum came up or the quantum, the quantum field came up. And I remember that moment when she, Jennifer said, the quantum field, that's their field. That's their playing ground. And by there, she meant the over the controllers, the, the malevolent beings on this planet who are not creative, but who hijack creativity of those of us who are creative. So that became important to me because in the lightworker community, we use the term quantum a lot, a lot to describe the experience of moving through our businesses. People will talk about quantum leaps and we'll talk about quantum physics and the quantum field. And this has become kind of this, this jargon that we use to describe the experience of success, of influence, of creating magic, materializing things in our businesses. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, except I do think that for me, when I know something, I can't unknow it. And I marked that moment in my mind, the moment that Jennifer said the quantum field belongs to them. 
as a, as a moment for me to take note of. And I pay attention to what I'm paying attention to. So stay with me here. I'm getting out my iPad. So after the retreat, my guides encouraged me to start studying vibrational medicine, specifically using tuning forks. And so I was guided to this woman, her name is Ellen McCusick, and she's written a couple of books, but almost more importantly than that, she's been studying vibrational healing for something like 25 years. And I'm hoping to have her on the podcast at some point to talk about this. But in one of her books, the book is called Electric Body, Electric Health, Using Electromagnetism Within and Around You. Um, she talks about ether, the etheric field, and she talks about the quantum field. And this is important because when I'm paying attention to what I'm paying attention to, I don't make decisions based on one data point or one piece of information. I look around and see what other, what other um, information comes forward to either support or refute that initial knowing or that initial ping that I have. So hang on just a second and let me find this. So she talks about how sound travels through the etheric field and how the ether is the substance. It's thought of in some of the older texts, like the Vedic text, the ether is thought of as the substance that gives rise to all other substances. The substance that gives rise to um, earth, air, fire, metal, and so on. Ether is the is the original sub substance. And in some cases in this book, she actually uses the etheric and the akashic in kind of the same sentence in the same context, meaning that it is a substance that holds all. So as I was reading this book, and I won't read it verbatim because I wish I could. I think you guys would enjoy it, but you can go to the book and read it itself. So I'm just gonna paraphrase here. She says that, up until 1905, when Einstein came out with one of his early theories of relativity, he was trying to solve the problem of relativity, relativity in space and time. He came out in 1905 and basically said that ether doesn't exist. Even though up until that point, like his predecessor, Nikola Tesla, had talked about the ether and the ether was actually very much a part of physics up until 1905 when Einstein came out with this, this idea, this notion, this statement, we'll just call it, that ether doesn't exist. So in the absence of ether, what is there? And that's kind of where, in my understanding of this, of this research is that the quantum field developed and the quantum field is kind of the spaciousness between molecules or between particles. Like there's a particle here and a particle here and there's space between and there's nothing in between. There's nothing in between. There's no substance in between. So Ellen makes a good point. She says quantum physicists don't like it when new agers with tuning forks or Akashic records reader talk about the quantum field and that's why she doesn't use it in her in her work. And to her point, I don't use the term quantum in my work either, although I will say that I have felt extreme pressure to do that, especially recently. There are a lot of light workers and light leaders who are coming out and talking about quantum leaps and quantum magnetism and all the quantum, quantum this and quantum that. Well, 
So that's the second piece is that Einstein in 1905 sort of debunked or or denied the existence of ether. And apparently at that time, he had a whole lot of influence in the physics community. And so from that point on, ether basically came, became persona non grata, if you will. It became a non-issue in physics. And they went down this other path, the, the physicists went down this other path of the quantum and understanding what Einstein called spooky action at a distance meaning that something could happen on one side of the earth and affect something on the other side of the earth. We also could call that the butterfly effect, if you will. But the main problem, as Ellen describes it, is that there was no explanation for the substance between these two particles. The only thing that can explain the, sub the, the spooky action at, at a distance, the reason that, that um, distance healing works. The distance, the reason that my, my physician client who lives, you know, 2000 miles away from me when she's on the phone with me doing a healing session and I, and I clear her sinuses at a distance, she says, I have no idea how this works. It just does. Well, the etheric, the substance of the ether actually helps explain why distance healing works. So the third thing that I will bring forward is this, is that last November at a, um, it was an advanced Akashic Records training that I did with Jennifer Longmore was actually leading that. And I asked her afterwards, we were talking a lot about what we're coded for. So I had a private session with her and we actually talked about what I was coded for because it was something that I was on my heart to talk about. And I think we all have that question. What am I coded for? What am I here for? So she tuned in for me because I wasn't getting a clear answer. And she said, she said, well, you're coded. You channel from the etheric realm. She said, that's beyond the angelic realm. She said, it's the etheric realm. Well, it's certainly also beyond the quantum realm. So I've been channeling from the etheric realm, the etheric space or energy, if you will. And that landed very, very strongly for me. I know that I am channeling from the etheric realm. I know that I use the frequency of diamonds to channel and those diamonds are situated in the etheric realm. Well, what I didn't make the connection about up until I read this book by Ellen McCusick is that the, the ether, the etheric is not just a concept of, oh, you're so etheric. It's actually legit the substance that runs between all of the particles on this plane. And the controllers, the beings that Jennifer referred to who own the quantum realm do not own the etheric. They don't own the etheric. The etheric is the place of creation. So stay with me here because there's been some other things that have come forward as a result of my understanding of this. So one thing that has come forward is that I cannot call any of the work that I do quantum, and I don't anyway, but I do think that it's important for light leaders to take a look at our marketing, uh, the way we're talking about healing and transformation. We really need to take a look at whether or not we're using the word quantum in any of our work because for two reasons. One is that I think the word quantum has gotten diluted 
In other words, I don't know when people in the light, light worker community started using quantum, but I, I know that it can be tracked and that might be something that I pursue to dis discover when and where that, that term started being used. But two, if Einstein was involved in basically denying ether's existence in the service of the quantum, for example, I know that Albert Einstein is owned. I know that he is part of, he's a, I'll call him a puppet for the controllers. And I was shown in the work that I did the, in the Akashic Records that he was used specifically to disengage the public discourse around the conversation of ether because it's that important and it's that potent and it's true. So basically it was a distraction from the truth, which is ether, which is the etheric, which is the creative substance, substance that penetrates everything. It's kind of like the force, isn't it, from Star Wars? So if light leaders are using this word quantum to describe the work that we are doing, and we're, do, we're using this word quantum unknowingly, then I think that we need to take a look at that piece first. And then I think that we need to, we bear some responsibility to change our language to talk about exactly what we are talking about, which is that at least for the light leaders who I know and love and have had on this podcast, I know all of them are also not actually working in the quantum. Here's the thing, the other thing that occurred to me, I've taught universal law or spiritual law for a long time. And there is a spiritual law that basically states that everything is created as a whole and everything is here now, which is quite reassuring. But for this, I became troubled about this, this particular spiritual law. I believe that that is part of the quantum realm, that that spiritual law is part of the quantum realm. The quantum realm would say that everything is, is created as a whole and everything is here now. But where did that creation come from? Where did it come from? It didn't just appear. It, we didn't just blink it into existence. It had to be created. So who created it? Who created it? The creators create. The creators create from the etheric. The creators create from the substance that gives rise to everything else. So stay with me. I'm just thinking things through. So if everything is created as a whole and everything is here now, somebody had to create that. And I know that creators create from the etheric. So what I'm being shown is that in some way, the quantum realm is hijacking the creations from the etheric and calling them their own. I have known for a while that there are beings on this planet who are not creators. The only thing that they can do is actually hijack the creation and replicate it. You know, maybe improve it, maybe tweak it, but it's all a replication of an original creation. 
I mean, even Plato said that. Plato in his theory of form said that there is in the etheric the perfect version of a thing, of an object. And then we recreate it, an imperfect version of it. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're intuitive and you're intelligent and you consider yourself a light leader, I believe that you're actually creating from the etheric realm. You're creating from the substance and you're bringing that substance into material form. You're materializing it from the substance. In which case, that spiritual law that states that everything is created as a whole and everything is here now is not true. And this comes as a great relief to me because when I heard that, I would use that a lot early in my business to reassure myself that the clients that I desired were coming and the money that I desired that was coming. But there was a falseness to it and I couldn't put my finger on it until I was guided to be really discerning about who's creating it. If it's, if it's created as a whole, who created it? And I had to come back to the place of the creators create. Now, let's bring in another piece. Wallace Waddles wrote the book, The Science of Getting Rich. And in The Science of Getting Rich, he talks about two different fields. He talks about the field of competition, where there is, there's a lack of resources, where there's a limited amount of resources. And then he talks about the field of creation, which I believe is the etheric. And Wallace Waddles encourages us to move, encourages us to move into the creative realm and to create where there is plenty, where there is more than enough, and to get out of the competitive realm, the competitive, AKA quantum. So here's my ask of you today, as you consider this information, please don't take my word for it, but instead I would encourage you to look at Ellen's book. And here's what I wanna say about Ellen's book is that um, I know that some of the, the, I'm going to call them characters that she uses, Tesla, Einstein, physics in general. I know that these fields have been compromised. And I know that all the stories that we've been told about these fields are not necessarily true. So I want to acknowledge that. But I also want to acknowledge that truth has a frequency. And I pay attention to what I'm paying attention to, which is that there is a distinction between the quantum realm and the etheric realm. And science would have us focus on the quantum, but it would only have physicists focus on the quantum. Anyone who is not a physicist is not legitimately allowed to focus on the quantum according to physicists, of course. And I would ask us also collectively to say, when and why did I begin using this term quantum? Where did that come from? Did I pick it up from somebody else? And if so, who did I pick it up from? And if so, if I picked it up from somebody else, is that person compromised? 
And then if I had it in my way, I would say to all of us as light leaders, we need to stop referring to the quantum realm. Quantum realm. <laughs> I just got a little Elmer Fudd there. We need to stop referring to the quantum realm at all. And we need to start acknowledging what we know to be true about the etheric, about the, the substance from which we create. Because we are creators, we are creator beings, we are here to create. We are not here to replicate, we are not here to copy, we are here to create. So as an invitation to step into the, the creative realm, which you already are in, but to match your language up with what you're actually doing, I think is going to be, well, it would be beneficial to you personally, to me personally, but I think more largely in the light worker, light leader community, um, if there are enough of us who come together and say, we're no longer willing to, to refer to the quantum realm, I am wondering how that is going to affect what ripple effect that is going to have on our community. I think extracting ourselves from the quantum realm is another piece that we need to really examine. How am I embedded in the quantum realm? You can ask yourself, you can ask how and why did I get hooked in here? Is it part of the matrix? Which personally, I think it is. And then what's the best way to extract myself from the quantum and to move back into the etheric or beyond? It could be an angelic realm that you channel and create from, but there has to be an acknowledgement. I believe that we are creatives, that we are here to create new worlds and we are here to, as you know, to liberate consciousness from the matrix, which I believe the quantum realm is very much a part of. All right, so that's all I have to say about why I'm no longer using quantum in any of my work and why I'm inviting other light leaders to do the same, to really examine the how and why you're using that word and um, to find another way to describe your work that is more in alignment with what you're actually doing, which I believe is working on in the Akasha, working in the quantum, or sorry, working in the etheric space to create, to literally create, okay? Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Hey, do me a favor and let me know your thoughts on this podcast episode. Tag me in, the, in a post on Instagram, ping me, DM me, let me know what you think about it. How does that land for you? I want to start a conversation about this because I think the more that we talk about it, the, the, the more we're going to uncover what needs to be uncovered so that we can move forward more quickly in this ascension path. All right, until next time. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Becoming the Channel is in the books. Let me know if you thought this was helpful and inspiring. And if it was, be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media and then tag me at dr.robinmckay and at Becoming the Channel podcast so I can repost it and say a big thank you for sharing because it really does help support the show and our community. If you loved what you learned today, I'd love it if you'd leave a five-star review on the podcast so that even more people can join us on this journey of ascension. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll chat with you again soon.